just wanted to share with you guys something that God gave me that helped me in my life when I was dealing with loss. And so if you'll take your Bibles this morning and go to Job chapter 23. Job 23, I want to just bring a, well, it might be short, message entitled, When God's Not There. When God's Not There. In Job 23, verse 1, the Bible says, Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Job says, I would plead my case before the Lord if I could find him. Verse 5, he said, I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered forever from my judge. Now notice, notice verses 8 and 9. Notice what Job says. Job says, behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. I remember when I was, a, when I, was I think I was 12 or 13, I think I was 13 years old. My family, we have family that lives um, in Washington State. I think they're just across the border, just outside of Portland, Oregon. Um, we have family that lives there, and one summer, my parents decided we were going to drive the coastal highway. from Fe- we We're going to go from Phoenix, Arizona to L.A., hit the coastal highway, and drive up the coast, and we camped along the coast, and uh, we drove up and saw family there in, in Washington State. And while we were there, they took us to Mount St. Helens. And what was really neat, I remember as a kid, when, when Mount St. Helens had erupted and the trees and everything got caught in the lava, all, all of that disintegrated and there's all of these little tunnels from those trees after those trees disintegrated and you can climb down and climb and crawl through those tunnels that are in that lava or whatever's left there around Mount St. Helens and it was really it was super cool it was a ton of fun but I remember one day we took a trip and we went to a cave and a guide took us into the back of this cave we all had flashlights and he had a light and he was guiding us and we got into the back of that cave And he told us all to turn off our lights. And when we turned off those lights, literally, you could not see your hand right in front of your face. You couldn't see it. It was like it wasn't there. I mean, you could put it just barely in front of your nose, and you could not see your hand. It was amazing how dark it was. You know what? Sometimes life's like that. Sometimes things happen. Things come across our path. God allows things into our life. And honestly, sometimes it seems as if God's not there. And this morning, I want to look at three things that Job did when it didn't seem like God was there. Three things he did. Number one, he remembered that God is actually there. Number two, he kept doing what he knew to do. And number three, he saturated his life with God's word. Three things Job did when God's not there. Let's pray real quick, and then let's look at these three things. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and your love for us. Lord, I thank you that you are in control. I thank you that you are there, even when we can't see you. Lord, I just pray that you'd work in our hearts. I pray that, Lord, I just pray that this would be an encouragement this morning. 
And Lord, I just pray that you'd comfort us today in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing Job did was he remembered that God is always there. Notice verse number eight, nine. Or I'm sorry, verse 10. He says, but he knoweth the way that I take. Even when God is not perceivable, even when we can't see him, even when we don't feel him, even when we feel alone, abandoned, distressed, God is there. He is aware. It says he knoweth the way that I take. God is aware. God knows. God sees. There isn't anything that gets past him. Let me ask you a question. Was he aware when Noah was in the ark? Was he aware when Joseph was in the prison? Was he aware when Israel was being oppressed in Egypt or when they were wandering in the wilderness? Was he aware when David was in the cave? Was he aware when David ran out to face Goliath? Was he aware when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and left for dead? Was he aware when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace? Was he aware when the disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of the storm? He was aware when, his, when he hung on the cross, he was aware of his very own mother. He was aware of the Apostle Paul as he sailed through the Mediterranean on his way to Rome, and he was in the storm, and then he was shipwrecked. God is aware. He knows. He knows. He knows the way that I take. I, I, I love the story of Samuel and his mother Hannah. If you were to go over to 1 Samuel chapter number one, there you would find that Samuel or uh, that Hannah, Samuel's mom, is barren. She can't have kids. And, and her, the other wife of her husband, Penina, likes to dig that in and throw that in her face as often as she can. And Hannah is just oppressed. And she goes and she prays to God. And, and um, I think it's Eli. Eli, the priest, sees her, thinks she's drunk. And he confronts her, and she says, no, I'm just broken. And, and she prays out to God, and she goes home. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19, listen to what it says. And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and listen to this. And the Lord remembered her. I just love that phrase. And the Lord remembered her. God has not forgotten about you. He remembers. He knows. He is aware. He is there. In Psalm chapter 139, verses 1 through 3, David said this, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down. Listen to what he says. And art acquainted with all my ways. God knows the way you are taking. He knows the path you're walking. And he knows what is crossing your path. He's aware. He knows. The first thing that Job did was Job recognized or remembered that God is always aware. He knows. But not only is God aware, not only does God know, but Job also remembered in verse number 10 that God is also always watching. Notice what he says. He says, when he hath 
tried me. God is watching. God is watching what we go through. He's watching our hearts break. He's watching us grieve. He's watching us go through pain. And he knows and he's watching. He's watching us respond to it. He's watching and waiting for us to run to him. He is aware, but he's also watching. It's interesting that word tried literally means to test or it means to see what something is made of. It's to test the character or the quality of something or of a person. I've talked enough with Dustin and Spike, Mr. Romero. When it comes to wrestling, they have tried a lot of people. And I would imagine that on some level, they got some kind of enjoyment out of trying those high school kids at wrestling practice. Whether it was hundreds of push-ups, running, pull-ups, whatever it was, they tried those young men. What were they doing? They were seeing what they were made of. They were being tested. And ladies and gentlemen, we go through trials. We go through testing. We are tried. And Job remembered that God is always watching. Think about what Job went through. If you were to go back to chapter 1, verses 14 through 17, there you'd see Job lost his entire wealth, and he was a great man. He was a wealthy man. If you were to go back to Job chapter 1 there, I think it's verses 2 or 3, um, it says that he was the greatest man in the east. He was a very wealthy man, and he lost it all. He lost his livestock. He lost his fields. He lost his properties. He lost his servants. He lost everything that he had. But then if you were to go to chapter 1 and verse 19 of the book of Job, there he loses his family. There a messenger comes back and tells him that a wind had kicked up and that it had collapsed the house where his seven sons and his two daughters, or his three daughters, were eating. Can you imagine the news? Can you imagine the heartbreak that Job felt? If you were to go into Job chapter 2, there you find that that wasn't enough for Satan. Satan wants to push the envelope a little bit further, so he goes and now he asks for the very body of Job. And God says, yes, you can inflict Job's body, but you can't take his life. And there we find that he was given boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And there Job's body is put into agony. There his wife in chapter 2 says, just curse God and die. That was Job's darkness. That was Job's trial. That was Job's testing that he was thrown into. But he remembers God is watching. But not only is God aware, and not only is God watching, but the last thing real quick here is God is always working. God is always working. In the, rest of the, in the last little bit of verse 10, he says, I shall come forth as gold. I'm going to be real honest with you. There are times when I'd rather be a lesser quality of gold. No, it's okay, God. I'm happy right where I'm at. I don't want to be, I don't want to be finer. I don't want to go through that refiner's fire. If you've ever looked up or read how gold is refined, it is put into an, it is put into an intense heat. And as it melts and as that heat 
uh, heats up that gold, what happens is all the impurities or what they call dross that is in that gold, it rises to the top and they skim it off. And then they put it into some more heat. And as it melts, more dross or uh, impurity comes to the top and they scrape it off and they constantly put it through that process. And that's exactly what Job is talking about. Job is saying, I am being heated and the fire is intense. But I know in the end, God is wiping off that, that impurity, and I know I'll be, I'll be better when I come out on the other side. And it's not a fun process. It's not enjoyable at all. Yet it's necessary to be what God wants us to be. It's necessary. Romans 8, 28. And we know those are three powerful words. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I'm going to be real honest with you. When my dad died, I hated this verse. You know what I really hated? I hated when people would come up to me and quote it. And they would come up to me and they'd look at me and they'd say sorry and then they'd say but you know, Romans 8, 29 says that all things work together for good. Yeah, I know that. But right now it just hurts and it really stinks. And you know what? It got to where I didn't like to hear that verse. Honestly, it got to where it was almost cliche, like people would throw it out there and, well, I don't know what else to say, but here, Romans 8, 28. And then one day God convicted me for my attitude. You know what God, God reminded me of? Romans 8.28 is not a cliche. It is truth. It is truth. And it's true that no matter what it is that comes across our path, no matter what work God is doing or striving to do in our lives, it will be for good. Always. Always. Job remembered that God is aware. Even in our darkest moments, even when we can't perceive him, even when we're wondering, God, where are you? He's there. He's there. But not only did Job remember that God is always there, but the second thing Job did was Job kept doing what he knew to do. Notice verse number 11. Job says, my foot hath held his steps his way have I kept and not declined. You know, in, in moments of tragedy, in moments when our hearts are broken and, and, um, and we hurt, there is confusion. There is that not being able to make sense of things. There is that wonder of what do I do now? What do I do next? Where do I go? You know what Job did? Job just kept doing what he was doing. I had this thought. I don't, I don't know that it's my thought or if I read it somewhere, but this, I had this thought yesterday, and it's this. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do, for that's all that you can do. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do, for that is all that you can do. Just take one step at a time. 
Don't decline. Job says, I haven't declined. I have kept your steps. I've stayed where I need to be. I have not declined. Don't decline. Just take one step at a time. And God will work and God will reveal. That's what his word says in Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When God lights up that one stepping stone, step. Then when he lights up the next one, step. And just one step at a time. My wife told me this. I didn't know this, but Elizabeth Elliot had a principle. And she called it, do the next thing. That was Elizabeth Elliot's principle. Do the next thing. And she got this advice from an old poem, and the poem says this. Well, this is just a section of the poem, but it says this. Do it immediately. Do it with a prayer. Do it reliantly, casting all care. Do it with reverence, tracing his hand, who placed it before thee with earnest command. Stayed on omnipotence, safe neath his wings. Leave all resultings. Do the next thing. Elizabeth Elliot said this. When I went back to my, if you don't know who Elizabeth Elliot is, she was a missionary to Ecuador. And when her and her husband and the other couple that was with them arrived, the native Indians killed her husband and the other two. And Elizabeth Elliot was left alone. This is what she said. She said, when I went back to my jungle station after the death of my first husband, Jim Elliott, I was faced with many confusions and uncertainties. I had a good many new roles. Besides that of being a single parent and a widow, I was alone on a jungle station with Jim that Jim and I had manned together. I had to learn to do all kinds of things, which I was not trained or prepared in any way to do. It was a great help to me simply to do the next thing. And ladies and gentlemen, in times where it is dark and in times when it does hurt and when in, in times when it is hard, all we can do is the next thing. We have to just take the next step. It's just one step after another. If you're feeling discouraged or overwhelmed, I encourage you to just do the next thing. Pray and then do the next thing after that. Trust God with the results. Trust God with the results. I hope this is okay, but I want to give you one illustration of doing the next thing. See that Dodge pickup truck right over there? Over there by the storage container? That belongs to Dustin Crosscob. Last Sunday, it wasn't there. And this morning, when I pulled in the driveway and I saw that truck sitting there, my heart just kind of lit up. It's just doing the next thing. Taking that next step. And it is encouraging when you see other people take that next step. And I encourage you, in spite of how hard it might be or how discouraging it might be or how uncertain you might be about it, just trust God and take the next step. And just keep stepping. Job says in verse 11, my foot has held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. So Job, he remembered, number one, that God is aware. God is working and God is watching your way. Secondly, he kept doing what he knew to do. And then the third thing is this, saturate yourself in God's word. Notice verse number 12. 
Job 23, verse 12, it says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Here, Job says, I have esteemed, I have considered, I have placed God's word above eating, above eating. Now, when you think of necessary food, you probably think of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We don't miss those. We don't miss those. And you know what? Probably more than likely, we snack a little in between. But we don't miss breakfast, lunch, and dinner most of the time. We like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And Job says, you know what? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner mean nothing to me. God's word is more necessary. God's word is more needful. God's word is more important than to, me, to me than food right now. That's where Job was. That's where Job was. Listen, you don't need the view. You don't need Oprah, and you don't need Dr. Phil. You don't need a counselor. You don't need a pill. And listen, you don't need a self-help book. You need God's word. You need God's word. You don't need to know what the latest blog says or what the latest doctor online says. You need God's word. Run to his word and saturate your day, your moment, whatever it is, with his word. Thank you. And let me say this. Self-help books, you don't need that. Burn them. Throw them away. Self-help? You know what the reality is? Is you can't help yourself. You need God. I need God. Self-help, it's nothing more than humanism. It's actually pushing God out of your life. Scratch the self-help and read your Bible. Run to God. Run to his word. Just read it. It doesn't matter where. Yeah, you could find some Psalms. You could find some Proverbs. But listen, just pick it up and just start reading and put chapter after chapter, verse after verse into your heart and your mind and just saturate yourself with it. And just read it and read it and read it. It's the only thing that will really help. It's the only thing that will really cure or comfort or solve our problems. And that's what Job did. In the midst of Job's darkest moment, in the late hours of the night, what did he do? He ran to God's word. That's where he went. He went to the Bible. Why? Because it works, ladies and gentlemen. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is quick. It means it is alive. It is a living organism. But it's not just alive. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Listen, the word of God, no matter where you start reading, no matter what you start putting into your heart and life, the word of God will meet your need. The word of God knows the need of your heart, and it'll meet it. It'll meet it. It's alive. David said in Psalm 119, verse 71, I don't know if this engineer is going to honk here in a second, so I might just give it a second and see what happens. But Psalm 119, verse 71, it's kind of a hard verse. It's kind of a hard pill to swallow. But Psalm 119, verse 71 says this, it is good for me that I have been afflicted 
that I might learn thy statutes. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand that everything God allows into your life and mine is for really one main reason, to bring us closer to himself. God is always working to draw us closer to himself. And here David acknowledges that very fact by saying, it has been good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn thy statutes. Here David says, in my pain, in my agony, I have run to God. In my darkness, in my uh, depression, in my pain, in my brokenness, I have run to God. Run to God. It's amazing. He told us in the book of James, James chapter 4, that if we will draw nigh unto him, that he will draw nigh unto us. What an amazing thought. What an amazing thought. Listen, your relationship with God matters just as much, if not more, to him than it does to you. I was just looking at James chapter 4 this past Wednesday with, with the teens, and, and I told them, listen, if you have a friend and that friendship is one-sided, you're always the one giving, you're always the one investing, you're always doing what they want to do, and it's, it's always about that one person, that is not a healthy relationship. That is a bad friendship. Good friendship should go both ways. It should be give and take on both sides. And listen, when it comes to God, God draws nigh as we draw nigh unto him. He's not over here saying, hey, come on, keep getting closer. Hey, come on, keep getting closer. No, 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 closer. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. You know, like when your kids are on the edge of the pool and you're like, yeah, I'll stay right here, but you keep, keep inching further and further away from your kid trying to get him jump a little bit further into the water. Yeah, yeah, I know you've done it. I have too. God's not like that. Actually, you know what God does? He keeps getting closer. God draws nigh unto us as we draw nigh unto him. So listen, in those moments, in that brokenness, run to God. Don't go searching for help anywhere else. Don't go searching for help from somebody else or something else. Go to God. Run to his word and just soak yourself in it. Saturate your life in God's word. That's exactly what Job did. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. There is always a danger. And the danger is this. When we fail to draw nigh unto God, when we fail to run to him, the danger is that we will actually push ourselves further away from him. And when we make the choice not to run to God, we are actually pushing ourselves away from him into greater darkness. And we have to be very careful. We have to be very careful that we run to him, that we go to him, that he is the one that we depend upon, that we run to. What did Job do in this time of being tried? What did he do in this pain, this agony, this suffering, this frustration, this brokenness and this heartache? What did Job do? He remembered that God is there, even when he doesn't seem to be there. 
Job remembered that God is actually there. He kept doing what he knew to do, and he saturated his life with God's word. I want to close with the words to a song. And these are the words to the song. It's not what I prayed for. It's not what I wanted. It's not something I understand. My circumstances seem so confusing. I'm placing it all in your hands. Your ways are higher than mine. I want mountains to move. You want me to climb. So I'm going to trust your work, your will, and your time. Your ways are higher than mine. One day, I'm sure, I will look back and marvel at how you knew best all along. You see from heaven. You know it's the hard times that make my face steady and strong. Your ways are higher than mine. I want mountains to move. You want me to climb. So I'm going to trust your work, your will, and your time. Your ways are higher than mine. When I start to doubt, help me believe. Somewhere, so far above me, your ways are higher than mine. I want mountains to move. You want me to climb. So I'm going to trust your work your will, and your time, your ways are higher than mine. Even when God doesn't seem to be there, remember that he is. God is there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I can't, I can't imagine Lord, I can't imagine what it would be like to be Job and to go through such pain and agony and have it written down in your word for all ages for everybody to see, to read, and to know about. I can't even begin to imagine that. But Lord, you took a man's life and you did something amazing with it, something that hurt And Lord, I just pray you'd help us, help our faith, help us to trust you in our hard times and help us to remember that you are working, you are present, and that you do have a purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. That was a difficult message for him, and it was a wonderful message and uh, timely. We just thank God for Wes. We thank God for the Coscobs, and we praise our Savior. <clears throat> He's good to us. He's always good, and we just praise him. <clears throat> We're going to dismiss in a moment. If you want to stay, you're sure welcome to. We're going to need some help carrying some tables out here, bringing the food outside and being able to do that. So if any of you who are staying uh, want to do that, you can come on in afterwards here. We'll uh, get things organized, get it set out here.
and uh, we'll ask the Lord to bless that food. And uh, we're going to be dismissed. And uh, God bless Platte Valley Baptist Church. We love you guys. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Job and his testimony. And thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And I pray that you would help each one of us through these times. And I pray that you will bless our church family. Help us, Lord, to take what's been going on and and just find out what, what, what it is that you want us to do and help us to do that. And help us to be pure in our intentions and motivations and help us to be the tool that you want to use to reach this community. I pray that you will continue to guide us and direct us. I pray that you bless the meal that we have and those who go home, bless them throughout the day. And pray that you bless the service tonight and that, Father, when the day is over, that you will be pleased with us. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.